Sit Down with Slick Vic. Welcome everyone to the Sit Down with Slick Vic. Today I am joined with my good friend, uh, Mr. Jeff Storm. Jeff, thanks for having a. I mean, thanks for coming on my show today. Hey, thanks for having me, bro. So a little about a little bit about yourself, uh, Jeff. Uh, so you are a guitarist in a heavy metal band, correct? Uh, I'm a guitarist in a few heavy metal bands. Uh, a few heavy metal bands, <laughs> or death metal bands, to be be correct. Uh, can you give me the the names of those bands? Uh, I'm a lead guitar player for a band called Uncleanse. It's been in Houston for about uh, 13 years now. Um, also a lead guitar player in a band called Baptized by Fire, which is four out of five of the same members of uh, Uncleansed, just a different drummer, sort of different style. Um, I'm also in a, a longtime project called Hypnostic with my good buddy Bobby, Bobby Tofino and uh, Jake De Los Santos. We've been playing that project for about 10 years off and on, just a studio project since we don't live in the same cities anymore. Okay, so you kind of record from your own <clears throat> from your own city and then download it and kind of edit it. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's the beauty of the technology that's available today. You don't have to be in the same city, and um, yeah, hopefully we'll get something recorded soon. I mean, we've we've been at it for a long time. It's just uh, you know, when somebody moves out of town, it sort of uh, sort of kills the momentum. But um, you know, we have a great chemistry with you know Bobby's a has a degree in uh, musical composition and uh, Jake is multi-talented, plays drums, sings, plays guitar, plays bass, um, plays drums and sings at the same time in his uh, thrash metal band called KTCM. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So, um, How did you uh, get into the guitar? Did you just start with a different instrument or did you just uh, jump right into the guitar? Yeah, I uh, started uh, as a trumpet player. Uh, in sixth grade and so i guess i was about 11 years old when i started playing trumpet so i mean that puts us at uh about 25 years this year as far as being a musician period and uh when i was in eighth grade i i officially picked up the guitar but i was influenced by uh seeing a stevie ray vaughn that just the tribute uh they did on him at uh, austin city limits where there's all sorts of great guitar players covering his songs but there'd be these 30 second snippets of him did you go to that live? Oh no no no! This is uh, <laughs> this is uh, something I recorded on VHS off of oh. <laughs> uh, PBS back in the day. Oh, PBS is awesome. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I'd uh, obsessively come home and watch those just those little 30, 30 second or so clips of him just shredding on his own songs in between the the tribute songs, and uh, try and try and mimic that style. That and uh, also Metallica, uh, hearing. Uh, Hearing the Black Album when I was a kid, I was about seven or eight years old when that came out. So that was that was something that was real eye opening for me. Although my parents didn't allow anything that was, uh, uh, you know, satanic or had the PMRC uh, parental advisory warning <laughs> on it, they didn't allow that. So it took me a long time to really really get in the metal. But yeah, when I was thirteen, uh, you know, Guitar Center has their classic Labor Day sale. They used to hear the ridiculous oh, okay. commercials. Um, yeah, I remember those. Yeah, and I didn't have very much money, but uh, I went and got a really crappy used guitar, <laughs> which I'm convinced is the only way to start out and see if you're serious. Is if you can, like, it was a hundred nineteen dollar guitar, which for you know even back then I was like a cheap sort of piece of crap. It was like an Epiphone, <laughs> like a 
Fender Stratocaster knockoff, you know, Stratocaster being the guitar that Wayne fetishized in uh, Wayne's world. Um, so uh, you played the trumpet. Um, did the, I'm not too familiar with, the trumpet has to do a lot of with like, uh, like when you blow, right? Yeah. But yeah, the yeah. finger movement, so did that help you, the transition with the finger movements from um, guitar to, from trumpet to guitar? Uh, well, there's certainly some crossover, I guess, as far as like timing, you know, I mean, you have to coordinate like your picking hand and your fretting hand on the guitar. And I guess you have to coordinate, you know, your embouchure and, uh, you know, you, you separate, uh, notes on the trumpet by using, using your tongue, you know, like your, your lips create a buzz that's called your embouchure mm. and, um, you know, just, uh, that's a thing that's a uh, tough, tough to develop and is far as like playing guitar playing guitar is far easier than so do you do you read music as well do you can you write music um yeah i mean uh i I played classical guitar for a little bit and that's that requires you to read music and i've already you know was reading music with trumpet although i don't really do it too much anymore just because with the metal stuff i mean we're not uh i mean just doing guitar tablature is about as far as it goes as far as writing it writing it out but yeah not not so much anymore uh, do you recall your first your first concert? Oh yeah, that was uh, Metallica with the Corrosion of Conformity opening for him at the Summit. Uh, I think this was '96. I think it was on the Load Tour. So Metallica had already sort of uh, been watered down a little bit by that point, but still, I mean, that was like the band that really that really drew me in. For you, for those of you not familiar with the Summit, that is what is currently Lakewood Church. Where the Rockets used to play. Um, wow! So Metallica headlined. Uh, I mean, you did. Did you see that? What year was that? Like, what, was, how old? I was uh, thirteen. Thirteen. Okay. So yes, you, you said that was around the time you started playing guitar, right? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> did did that like like seal the deal, or did you already know before oh, that? Yeah, yeah, it was over. It was pretty much over. I mean, uh, that was like. I don't know, like one of the most energizing experiences I ever had in my entire life. And it's funny. I mean, my, it was nice for my parents to allow me to go. Cause the next day was a toss test. Oh, no, <laughs> but, my... yeah. Uh, for those of you not familiar with the toss test, uh, they don't have, I think they changed the name of it, but it's, it's a, you know, big time test that the state uses to like gauge your intelligence and you have to pass it to advance in some cases. So yeah, it was a pretty worthless standardized test that just <laughs> changed the acronym over the years, but I don't think the substance of it has probably changed too much, but, um, I was so amped up. I mean, I did actually great on that test, which I'm terrible at. I was always terrible at taking that test because it's just such a load of shit. But, uh, <laughs> so you, you did well, you said? Yeah, I did that. great. That's yeah. awesome. So Metallica and, helped and, out. Oh, yeah. My, my <laughs> ears were ringing for probably four days in a row. My neck was sore from headbanging. You know, it's like just uh, that, was, that was one of those revelations you have. You know, I was like, there's no going back. Like, I, I need to find heavy music. And uh, So uh, <clears throat> being on stage... What what is uh, the largest amount of people you've played in front of? Um, let's see, I'd probably say uh, "Nice to Eat You" Death Festival in Czech Republic, run by our good buddy uh, Vladimir Prokosh, and uh, there's I think there's about like uh, six hundred people there. Oh, okay. Um, seeing everybody just just jumping and, and moving to your music, is there anything else that even comes close to that? Um, 
Not really. I mean, uh, and that actually wasn't really the case in, uh, in the Czech Republic just because they, uh, they really observe the music there. You know, like there's, there's some music, there's some movement, there's some headbanging. They don't like really mosh too much there. They do this sort of, uh, sort of ghost dance where everybody goes in a circle to the left and uh really yeah it's it's kind of it's kind of silly i I don't (laughs) don't think they get a chance to really be silly like during the year so they bust it out at festivals like there's this festival called obscene extreme it's in czech republic also that's a it's a bigger fest holds you know a few thousand people um but there's always somebody who's uh you know dressed up like an old lady or like uh, yeah it's just the strangest things like people wearing banana suits and uh (laughs) people dressed up as surgeons like it's and it's just a different culture right yeah and I, I just think it's like they don't get to be silly so i think that just manifests into extreme well, amount I mean, of it that, all at once that kind of reminds me of like and you're aware of this uh in japan when they watch you know m- fights mma fights they're very <clears throat> very quiet yeah uh, they clap very silently very you know very respectful they're not heckling or anything like that yeah very very different from the american crowds yeah, we're uh we're among some of the rowdiest, I'd say. <laughs> I mean, I guess it all depends on where you go, but I mean, um the the countries I played in in Europe were the Czech Republic, it was uh, Czech Republic, Germany, and Switzerland. Uh Czech Czech Republic and uh Switzerland, everybody was really reserved. They just sort of stood there. Some people sort of, you know, moved to the music just a little bit, but there's no moshing, but in Germany, we played in Leipzig. Um yeah, that was significant. They had a uh, there's this awesome band called cytotoxin that their hometown is in leipzig and they haven't played there in a while and uh we were fortunate enough to be uh to, to have that as a tour stop for us when we were over there and uh yeah it was it was insane but they but even their mosh pits aren't like violent like ours are you know people s- sort of go in a circle sort of circle pit and try and shove each other a little bit and just just sort of have fun there it's not it's not violent like sometimes you have people who do what's called crowd killing, which I hate. Crowd, <clears throat> what, what is crowd killing? Crowd killing, I guess, is when people try and be a little too violent with their moshing, like maybe throwing mm. punches, or like you see the people doing the hardcore dancing where they're like windmilling their arms and right, just, pretending like they're starting lawnmowers. It's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. But um, yeah, I hate I, I hate that sort of shit. But I mean, uh, in Germany, it was very uh, sort of fun spirited. I mean, there's a guy dressed up like a construction worker who's trying to dominate, but I wasn't I wasn't having any of that. <laughs> So what, what's like the craziest thing that's ever happened to you on stage? Like you're on stage, you're performing. What's like, uh, like the craziest thing? To, like, did somebody jump on stage? Did something uh, happen in the crowd? What's well, the- there's a fight. This one time at Walters on Washington. It's actually one of my buddies. I won't mention his name because <laughs> it, it didn't go well for him. Because uh, we were opening for a band that was pretty popular. They have sort of a cult following. Uh, and I, I don't really want to say their name either because I don't want to insult their fans, but they weren't having they weren't having our shit. I mean, we played we played a decent set. This was with Un, Uncleansed, and uh, yeah, nobody really was feeling us. They just sort of stand there with their arms crossed. And uh, our buddy, who's a big supporter of ours, was saying like, "Ah, you, you pussies, get in the pit. What the fuck is wrong with y'all?" Showing and, support, uh, giving you support, showing support, and he's trying to rile people up, but he riled somebody up a little too much, and uh, they got to exchange some fisticuffs, and then somebody else ran from across the room and jumped in so it was uh what <clears throat> so but did, I mean, so did you so you saw did you watch this happen yeah we were playing the song watching what's watching our buddies with good? his eyes wide like like i was like bob weave like ball, ball your fist <laughs> you know just, sit sit down on your punches you know like i wanted to give him some some real corner advice but 
um, you know, playing some loud ass music. You wouldn't hear me. Anyway. <clears throat> this security got involved. I'm assuming. No, no. You just, you just, they just, have... <laughs> they just sort of broke up. They, they, they shook up, and that was sort oh, okay. of it. You know, <clears throat> which a, is the a best natural result. Breakup. Absolutely. Which is the best result of a fight? You know, like I'm not, <laughs> I'm not against fighting. I hate the shit talk, but the physical aspect of fighting is fucking awesome. You know, like <laughs> right. But people aren't. Uh, you know, people are slow to shake up these days. I'd say, you know. No, I I completely agree. I completely agree. Um, so you've done a little touring in Europe. Um, you've yeah, done also some touring here in the states as well. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't really call it touring, but I mean, I did uh, uh, festivals uh, consecutive weeks as uh, the Las Vegas Death Fest, run, run by our buddy Big Mike, who's just the shit like that that festival has gone I, off the hook i, I, I was there for at, it was yeah, your birthday this, as well yeah that was the second time i went yeah the the, the first time I, I played with sadistic butchering which is my buddy john hulls uh well it was a one-man project until i joined for a little bit I, I did a record with him and uh um i wanted to play in colorado to go out there and see my buddy rick but uh he was like hey you do colorado you gotta do vegas too so we went and uh i jumped in and learned learned all the tunes and we we played in vegas and then I went and chilled out in Colorado for a week, and then we played the Foothills Gut Fest in uh, Colorado Springs, which was uh, pretty awesome. Well, what made it so awesome? Well, you know, uh, legalization and so forth. Oh, okay. Not say anything else besides um, that, but uh, I, you know, I was, you know, I was in Denver uh, for my birthday a couple years back, and I, I just, I, I just love just like the weather, the scenery, the snow. Uh, did you when was did you go during the snow time or was no it was summertime was summertime right? yeah. yeah but which is really nice like even a hot day there it feels awesome for you know guys from Houston you know like ninety degrees somewhere else is uh, where there's no humidity it's like it's a pretty nice day really no I agree I agree um let's talk about the evolution of music um first of all let's talk just about the the quality of music in your opinion from when you were little to from to now um i'm i don't know if you listen to a lot of mainstream but um, it's it, it's unavoidable at times you know commercials or yeah. you're just walking around or you're at work or whatever so you i mean you listen to it you're aware right of what's happening yeah um, I'm, I'm how do you how do you it's i mean it's is it, it has in your opinion has it gone to shit yeah what yeah what's popular is uh yeah definitely i mean uh you know, when you're rhyming 22 with 22 with 22, like that's, <laughs> uh, you know, that's, that's hollow. There's nothing there, you know, like, uh, it's just sort of, uh, the stuff that's popular seems like it's like really simplistic and repetitive, almost like, uh, uh, you know, just like a hypnotizing chant for dummies. And, um, but I mean, pop music has always kind of been like that, but it's, it's gotten worse, you know, like the level of talent is on a decline you know would you say maybe because i mean we i'm sure we both can agree that there, there's you know there's still great music coming out from somewhere oh, yeah right? i mean right. yeah i'm just saying right the, in general the, the stuff that i, I would have hated 20 years ago is the stuff i certainly hate now so but would, i think that uh, one of the factors to that is is the ability uh to stream music you know somebody can just record a song from their house and yeah. put it on YouTube. So I think there's just so much more content yeah, available yeah, that it's watering down, right? Like what, what? Well, I mean, I don't know how much of a factor that has on mainstream music, you know? I mean, it's, 
whatever is pushed is sort of formulaic True. in a lot of different ways. You know, these people that might not be talented, but they have like a personality or big butt or right, dance right. or something like that. That that's, that has nothing to do with the musical yeah, aspect. Yeah, where it's more of a, a commercial celebrity than talent in a lot of ways. But, you know, there's still some talented people out there for sure. Um, music availability, obviously we grew up during a time, you know, we had tapes recording, you know, radio oh, yeah. songs and then CDs, but CDs are no longer, you know, selling for the first time, you know, in, in a while. Well, I've, I've actually heard that physical copies sales last year were actually up. It's, uh, and CDs compete, or vinyl? Uh, CD is actually competing with, with downloads, but I mean. Really? Yeah. There's pe- a lot of people have been buying physical music lately like uh cassettes are actually kind of popular again if you didn't know hmm. it's more like a sort of like underground sort of right. cult metal thing if you will but um well yeah, I, people... I i know vinyl has always been going up because it's just uh, the whole nostalgia of it and yeah and i've also read that vinyl is like the best way for music because of how digital is red binary zeros and ones but the vinyls is actually the waves into an actual yeah. physical well my, my buddy who has a degree in engineering with a focus on audio says that like the human ear can't really detect a difference between digital and analog but a lot of people claim that you know, you know vinyl has like that warmer sound right i i i mean i think if you have an incredible sound system that you probably can't tell yeah. i mean if you're using this awesome system that can you know but i don't know i mean i think it's cool i mean i right, kind of right. like to start doing it but then again you know that's an expensive hobby here gets expensive real quick as a musician what do you feel about people that that download music without paying for it like when you have music available and like i'm sure you have music available yeah. for for purchase right and and uh oh yeah i mean and, our album got put up on youtube without our consent but we how did that make you feel um it actually kind of made me feel honored in a way you know like somebody went through the through the process of doing that to to get our music out there and um you know we didn't tell them to take it down or anything like that like i, I just want as many people to hear us as humanly possible because um in the field that we're in you know, death metal. I mean, there's there's no money in it. I mean, not really. I mean, if you're if you're a legendary band and you're you're touring nonstop, I mean, you're still only making like forty or fifty grand a year at best. So I mean, there's we're not in this for the money. You know, we're in this because we love to do it. I mean, I flew to flew to Europe on my own dime to do those shows. You know, we had we had our buddy Vlad take care of us when we were there, but I mean, we still had to you know pony up like fifteen hundred bucks to get out there. But it's because we love it, you know? Hey, man. Uh, if you love it, I say do it, you know? I mean, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing now. You know, I'm not yeah. getting paid to do this, but uh, there's no, it's, it, there's nothing better than a passion project. Yeah, you definitely. Know? Doing something you love, hey, you you can't, I've always said, you know, you can't buy happiness, right? It helps. It, it can get you a lot of things that you need, but happiness is something you just have to go find. Yeah. You know? Happiness might take a little money sometimes, but you know, you know, if you don't care because you're, you're happy, yeah, you know? yeah, definitely. I mean, we got to spend money on our gear, we got to spend money on travel, merch, you know, all sorts of things. But 
you know that's a it's a real small price to pay i'd say i've always felt that smoking marijuana or other substances kind of obviously they alter the mind yeah um but it also releases some type of uh, creativity right oh, I think, yeah i definitely. think research has shown that um how it affects the brain uh, do you i don't know how how old you were if you ever used marijuana in yeah. your life uh but do you feel like drugs uh influence your creativity or like if 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 you do it while you're writing music or if, when you've written in the past how how it affects uh your creativity and just just the, the aspect of not only not only just writing music but yeah. but taking in music you know well i mean you sort of have what uh your sense of melody doesn't change that much but i mean just being a little looser when you make that approach is just i mean just taking a taking the edge off um uh, helps things flow a lot better you know i mean if you're you know i mean if you're uptight i mean you're it's gonna whatever you're coming up with is going to be reflected in that so um so it's more yeah. like a like it it's relaxing you kind of kind of getting you to that point where you can create yeah better like just and uh sometimes with what we do it's better to I don't know, just to be intense also. I mean, there's there's two different ways you can approach what you're doing depending on what you're what you're trying to create, you know? I mean, um sometimes I mean maybe if you are having a having a shitty day, it is better to just go and try and create from there. And just uh you know Just use put, that emotion. Yeah, just use that emotion and put it towards what you're doing. Yeah, because um you know, you're in a in a death metal band. Your music, because you know I've been to some of your concerts, is 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 pretty pretty intense. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's uh, a why, big reason why I'm drawn <laughs> to it. You know, because I mean you, you know, I mean playing death metal in a lot of ways can be painful. I mean it's like a sort of the ultimate sacrifice for your art. You know, like if you're willing to put your body through it, and especially the drummers and the vocalists. I mean those guys like. That, a lot those of guys are insane. Throat and the, the drummers, especially. I mean, because it's like, uh, it's definitely like being an athlete in a lot of ways. Just to be able to uh, do what's called a blast beat is, you know. What, what is that, a blast beat? A uh, blast beat is a, a big least uh, subdivided uh, drum pattern, which is usually uh, extremely fast. You know, drumming to me, I mean, I'm not, I think every instrument's incredibly difficult to master, but the thing about drumming to me is that they have to have several patterns going on with you different have to be independent, limbs. Yeah, independent in your hands and your right? feet. Right. It, that's, that's crazy, right? Like yeah. they, they have four, both legs, because they got two things down here, right? At the bottom, yeah. and they got obviously their arms. And to create, um, you know, four different patterns, it's, yeah, and then <clears throat> I mean, aren't the drums like the the backbone, right, of the oh, song? Because yeah. they're the rhythm, right? Oh like, yeah. You do you is that because I'm assuming that sometimes when you're playing, you might kind of tweak with the song, or a lot of times you 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 kind of have to go by what your what your other bandmates are doing, right? Like how they're uh, with their rhythm, or uh, well, it depends on you know for improvising or what right. we're doing. A lot of the stuff. Um... We sort of just have a riff and jam on that idea until we come up with something. I mean, for me personally, I just usually improvise. Like that's usually how I create everything. It's just just improvising because I mean, one of the first bands that I was ever successful in was a jazz band, and that's the the meat of what I played was 
improvise solos, things like that. Let's talk about a little bit about jazz band Jeff. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so when uh, so that was pre uh, death metal. Oh band yeah, Jeff. that was, was pre death metal. It was during high school. Okay, um, I was with. Uh, well, I got asked to join, or just to sort of come and see if I could jam with these guys. Um, uh, I was probably, I think it was the end of my sophomore year, so I was uh, 15, on my way to turning 16. And uh, I went and, and auditioned at the drummer's house, and they said, hey, you're in. And we would play at churches, mostly. We'd play uh, for, like, the school talent show. Like, we'd be the house band for the talent show, and they used to do, uh, I don't know what the hell was it called. I can't remember. It was some school program they did, or uh, Prograd, I think it was called. Uh, we were the house band for that and we got, um, paying gigs sometimes. Like we got paid to play like uh, church functions where we go and we play at like, you know, some hotel conference room and we make like 50 bucks a piece and, you know, we just thought we were the shit. <laughs> so obviously the differences between death metal and jazz are obvious, right? But what would you say are the similarities between those two? Um, similarities. Let's see. Hmm. That's well. I mean, everything is is a little bit different. I mean, it's because a lot a lot of our the jazz was just played by feel, and sometimes we didn't even have certain sections mapped out. I mean, it was it was actually really really different. Is is, but that's one of the the beautiful things about jazz, right? Isn't that like one of the things that it's about, right? When don't they just a lot of, a lot of because uh, I've I've been to a lot of jazz shows. I love yeah. I love jazz. Uh, went to one just last week and. I feel like in every jazz show that I go to, they have these improvisations. You know, they just yeah. they just get freaky with it, right? Oh yeah. Well, it, I mean, it all depends on what it is. I mean, you have a, uh, you know, like your your classic tunes and stuff. We have people that that just uh, just jam, and I mean, we you know we had a mean potatoes idea of the song, but we had a lot of uh, opportunity to solo. You know, we had two saxophone players, keyboard player, drummer, and and myself on guitar, and we all. We all took solos. It's almost mandatory that everybody had a solo like during the song. Right? No, I, I yeah. love those, man. I, I love uh, I love solos. You know, what's what's the longest solo you've ever done? Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> you know, rough estimate: five, ten. Um, probably nothing like that. I no. mean, just because you know, I'm sort of like a shy nature person. So, like when I do my solos, I like, you know, I don't want to be too much of a hog. You know, I kind of like to keep it short and sweet and sort of have it like... What were longer, your jazz solos or your or the same length um, around? I'd probably say the jazz solos jazz, just because huh? it was a big part of uh, right, filling no. the time, you know? Yeah, like, they're like, hey, you need to, we need you to do this for like a little bit, man. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I'm assuming you enjoyed you enjoyed the death metal more than the jazz or is it completely uh, no, different? I mean, it was just... Um, uh, I mean, I was with a real special group of guys, and I've, I've they were a lot older than you, right? The jazz guys, yeah. I don't know. Um, it was well, it was myself and Alex Chiagana, who's uh, he's in the same grade as me on uh, tenor sax. Our oldest guy was Narada Walker. He was a senior when we were sophomores. So, okay, uh, played Barry sax, then he went to Penn State, and he was apparently killing it there. Uh, nice. Greg Brown on drums. He was a, a grade older than us. Um, and then when Narada left, we had a guy named Ron, Ron Fortin, who was also same year as us come in and play, uh, play alto sax. Interesting. Um, 
have you once have you have you played any jazz in a while have you, do you uh, ever I mean, think I, about I, doing it again well i mean i that's sort of the basis for my like clean guitar playing is sort of that jazz blues style because that's what blues is sort of what i really kind of started trying to learn as far as like lead guitar playing and then i you know butcher metallica solos and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah like that that improv improvising style is pretty much what i've always based my playing around yeah interesting interesting yeah i uh so you use more of of, of the jazz to kind of just keep keep your finger movements more kind of like exercises or no, just just I mean, just to just to play it because you love playing that's it or just kind of who i am as a player i guess you know i mean that's the foundation of everything comes naturally yeah and i'm not even a school jazz guy you know i pretty much just play by feel which is weird because you know i know how to read music and all this other stuff and i know a lot about music theory but i don't really i don't really put it into the metal playing too much you know i mean there's uh there's a lot to be said about being able to play by feel and just you know just making sure everything feels right and a lot of times that that goes with proper um you know proper theory and stuff but a lot of times it doesn't so and uh you're you're also a uh what's the proper name of your position uh, like an x-ray x-ray tech yeah x-ray the, uh, tech. the official fancy term that they use is it's, it's, it's a radiologic technologist which is <laughs> i don't know if that's a little uh a little pompous or not but i don't know i'm, I'm proud of my job so i'll i'll be here but with but i mean you have a full-time job you're in yeah. three bands i mean how do you have time um well thankfully uh you know usually we just do a couple rehearsals a week um, and I try and practice as much as I can while still not neglecting my relationship, you know, <laughs> which is tough. But my, my, my woman's really, really understanding and she knows that this is one of the most important things ever to me is this just cause like I said, I mean, it's like, I'm in my 25th year of music. So what's the name? Like, like Jeff storm. So storm, mm. I'm assuming your, your bandmates, you've had some, some nicknames or what do they just call you storm or what? Oh, not really. I mean, oh, they go, they call you Jeff. Yeah, mostly. What's your last name? Storm. That's such yeah, an awesome last name. But I mean, you know, people at work call me by my last name. I have a friend who always, I have certain friends who always call me by, by my last name, but you know, I mean, I haven't really, I haven't really got that many nicknames in the bands, you know. Yeah, I mean, besides besides the jazz band, which I mean, my buddy gave you the, you know, my buddy John gave you the nickname Cool Jeff. So I mean, there's that nickname. Yeah, I almost don't like introducing myself because <laughs> it seems because <laughs> yeah, I don't want you know. Again, you know, you don't want to seem uh, like a prima donna or something. But no, no, I I completely agree. I completely agree. So what 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 do you do on uh I mean you have all this uh stuff going on with work and, and side projects. What do you what do you do to relax? What do you do as hobbies for fun? Uh lately I've been playing a UFC so UFC three is the one where you're able to play in Pride as well. <laughs> That's what <laughs> Oh, you've been on the video game. Is it Xbox, uh, Playstation, what uh, Xbox. Xbox, yeah. okay. Is is it good? That- yeah. Yeah, it's great. I mean, I'm. Uh, I don't. I don't. Is it, so it's probably the new Xbox, right? No, no. no. I'm. I'm uh, always. <laughs> I'm always a console behind. I'm so. <laughs> I'm so lazy. I love uh, usually getting a used version of some 
some console. But it's like it's, that uh, it's the new US. Is uh, they came out with the new game, right? Is it the newest game or? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I definitely know it's not because this is from a few years ago. So I mean, but it's, it's got uh, Pride in there though, right? Yeah. Yeah, for those of you not familiar, Pride is probably the greatest MMA organization of all time. Yeah, and you turned me on to it. Yeah. Remember when uh, I didn't think Vanderlei Silva was good because the only fight I saw was uh, <laughs> was uh, Vitor Belfort knock him across oh, the octagon yeah, yeah, yeah. back in the day. But, uh, yeah, how wrong I was. I mean, he's, <laughs> he's a beast. Uh, speaking of which, man, we got we got a UFC tonight. Oh, yeah. Uh, Velasquez versus Ngannou. Who you got? Velasquez. He's just got too much experience. He I mean, he he hasn't fought in so long. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm worried if he gets tagged because you got to be worried if Engano touches you because I mean, that's a big dude. He's, I mean, he's one of the hardest punchers ever. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's the way he knocked out Overeem was terrifying. <laughs> Although Overeem's chin has waned over the years, but I mean, still, I mean, he hit him, he hit him with a really awkward uppercut and like almost knocked his head off. I mean, that was pretty crazy. Yeah, no, I was actually. Uh... Looking at the odds, you know, maybe thinking about throwing a little money in that direction. But uh, they got they got in uh, Kane favored like over two to one. I'm like I'm not gonna. I, I thought because of the layoff and because Ngannou has been so impressive that maybe maybe Velasquez could be the underdog. Well, and I can you know get, but no. Just just look at Velasquez's track record. No, no I think they they justify that. I agree. Odds, you know, I mean, I mean, who has he lost to? He lost to. Junior uh, Dos Santos at one time, and then he lost to uh, Fabricio. Fabricio, he hit him with a guillotine, and no, I mean he, Fabricio just had a superior strategy as far as acclimating because that fight was in Mexico City, wasn't it? I believe so. Yeah. yeah, and I think I think Verdum lived there for like a couple months before the fight just to get ready. Oh, and, okay. And not that Velasquez didn't try. I mean, he got there two weeks ahead of time, I think, but still, I guess it was just played a role. Uh, yeah, I mean the elevation there is ridiculously is in, high. Okay, I was in Mexico City, right? Yeah, and then the pollution on top of that—it's just horrendous. I, I'm, yeah, I'm sure that can't help either. Right. But, huh. but yeah, Verdum had that strategy. Um, and you also, uh, you know, one thing we always shared in common was, uh, you know, the the, the training, uh, yeah, the kickboxing there. Uh, I think we should get back on that. I think that's I agree. It. I mean, I need it. I mean, I've I mean, gotten super fat, <laughs> but I'm not in the shape I once was, and I wanna, I wanna be able to limber back up and at least have a shot at training. Not, not that I have the opportunity with all the music going on, but I mean, just to. Yeah, no, it's I, I think uh, so. I was actually thinking about doing is is getting like a tie bag, and just like hanging it somewhere around my apartment. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could take it off yeah. when I'm not using it, but you know, I can move the couches and I have. A, a sufficient area to actually but I just don't know if the ceiling will support it well only one way to find out huh I guess so um let me ask you this man something that uh so I got a buddy uh my buddy Sunia who who's a professional musician I don't know if you ever met him what's uh, his name uh Sunil Sunil I, yeah I definitely heard of him he's a saxophone player yeah, yeah 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 so he you know phd in music from ut from ut so he's you know obviously since a little kid you know into music and i remember one time we had a little conversation about how you listen to music mm -hmm. and uh i don't know if it's the same way with you so like when i listen to music um especially when i'm listening to music right now when it's in the background but when i'm listening to music 
um, to be able to do to listen to every single instrument, almost mm-hmm. isolating each individual instrument, and not only that, but actually being able to interpret each sound into emotion, mm-hmm. like knowing, and it, it doesn't. There has to be no words. Like there's no words. It's just music. But I, I, I just listen. It just, I just, and I talk to people that aren't like into music, like musicians, and they don't, they don't know what I'm talking about. They think yeah. I'm crazy. But I'm like, no, like just. Don't you hear that guitar? What it's telling you? It's telling you something. Yeah. It's not just playing a rhythm. It's 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 a message. And I wonder if is if do you do you hear music that way as well? Uh definitely. I mean, uh, maybe you can't say there's a an emotion tied to every single note, but there's you know definitely phrasing and things like that. You could be seen as full of emotion, I guess. But uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not referring to like every song right because like we discussed earlier like uh the shit that people put out that you say is just formulated right yeah i'm referring more to like music that you love oh definitely when you listen right when you're like when you listen to like me zeppelin or oh yeah fucking uh, jimmy or you know stevie yeah you know like that floyd floyd like that to me is is different right the intake of that is is and you know, and I'm not gonna lie to you. You know, I and in the past have have consumed a lot of marijuana, and not only that, but I'm smoking the marijuana and listening to the music. Oh, yeah. And I've I've always loved music, right? Since I was a little kid, uh, I grew up on disco. Not afraid to <laughs> not, af- not afraid to admit that. And yes, I'll dance disco now, but that's besides the point. So, <laughs> um, I didn't consume any drugs or marijuana to drink or anything until I was 18 years old. Yeah. But I always loved music. But I will admit that when I started consuming and I, you know I'm high on on weed or whatever, and listening to music, it was right. trans. It was it was just different. You, you hear things differently, and that's yeah. also when the sort of uh, separation lines. That's when you can really notice what everything's doing. But um, yeah, especially if you've ever heard any of these five point one mixes. I don't know if you've, you've heard this. Like, <clears> what, five, what do you mean five point one uh, mixes? It'll be like a DVD audio where it'll take an album and they'll mix it to a five point one surround sound. So you might have, you know front you know front left speaker oh i see what you're saying guitar, every instrument is separated oh interesting yeah is is this uh i mean i might be just dumb for not knowing i'm sure it's probably like old technology like this has been around uh, for a while. yeah it's uh I just think, a tip. i think frank zappa had a, an original sort of version of that back in the day he see, was I've just, sort I've... of ahead of his time on a lot of the technology things as well as the crazy music and one of them i think was called quadrophenia if i'm not mistaken and he had uh, you know, because quadraphonic sound was a thing back in the seventies, 60s and 70s, I guess. And, you know, he had, you know, it mixed just to four different channels, like the entirety of the of the record, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, I've never had the pleasure to own uh, a nice surround sound system. Mm-hmm. Um, parents never wanted to get one. And I've never had a place that is big like this. Like it's not, I don't, it shouldn't even justify. I could just probably get like two nice speakers and it'd be fine. But, um, I could only, I mean, I think, uh, I mean, you know, Keith, I think mm. his place had, had the, the surround sound. I remember a couple of times, like watching a movie like that. It's like what being in the theater, right? Yeah. So I would, I could, I could, I would assume that that type of, uh, listening is like equivalent almost to like a concert, right? In a way, or? In a way. In a way. I mean, obviously, just, just the, the audio, right? Because the visual of a concert, you can't replicate that. Yeah, but usually you don't have, uh, 
speakers on the side or in the back of a, of right. a venue. So oh, that's, it, it, I mean, it, dynamically, it, it's a little bit different. Right, but I mean, right, right. So would you say it's a cleaner sound with the in terms of how you would? Uh, well, I mean, you're actually getting that separation through space, through like your speakers being spaced out from one another. So it's different. I mean, the perception is a lot different. But, right, um, right. Cool. I, I definitely got a. Uh, I don't know where I would try that. <laughs> well, I'll. Uh, I can. I can probably uh, work on some things at home and maybe maybe get some set up. And we can listen to listen to one of those five point one audios. It's pretty killer. Yeah, man. Just you know. Yeah, get in the get in the right mood beforehand, and then put that bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, music is obviously a significant. Uh, role in your life i mean everything you know your projects Most definitely yeah. are, are you one of those people that just constantly has to be listening to music like you're working out music you're driving in the car music you're work you're writing something music or um yeah kind of i mean you know i have a speaker in the bathroom you know i'm always listening to music speaker in the, in the bathroom oh yeah for when you you know shitting or shower both or you oh, just, yeah both hmm. mostly mostly the shower you know is, oh, that's nice. I've, I've never had a... But, you know, I've heard of some people do that. You know, they put uh, speakers in the restroom or TVs, you know, just crazy stuff like that. But Yeah, a TV would make you probably sit there for longer than you needed to. <laughs> you, you know, I used to do... Uh, I'm, I'll admit I'm one of those people that fucks around their phone when I'm on the shitter. Uh, but yeah, I, used to, I used to be a reader. Like, I used to have something there to read, you know? Yeah. And uh, yeah, I miss those days. I, my attention span is so bad. I blame <laughs> the phone, but I should blame myself. You know, this phone thing is, I mean, I, I, I tell myself and I catch myself doing it. Just like, what? Stop yeah, it. You're mindlessly on it, you know. It's terrible. Yeah, terrible. I'm, I'm trying to work on it, but it's hard. Do you have one, uh, a newer phone? Do you have an old? I remember for the longest you had like an old shitty phone. Yeah, that was by, that was by design, right? Yeah, by choice. Like yeah. I, I try to stick with a flip phone forever, just so I wouldn't, because I saw these people becoming zombies on the smartphone. But yeah. Eventually, I sold out and got one, and now I'm like everybody else. <laughs> I can, I can quit pretending like I'm better than people. In a perfect world, in your perfect world, what what would you be doing? Like, what what would your life be like? Would it just be just traveling, playing music? Would it be maybe home studio recording? What what would what would be a perfect world um that's hard to say i i mean the music part sounds good uh, like if i could make a yeah no make it, a living off it oh yeah i mean uh, probably probably touring with bands which is not always the most pleasant thing besides what people think there's a lot of waiting around there's a lot of downtime and um you know, sometimes you don't really know what to do with yourself during that downtime it's just like you sort of sit around bored and like you there's this huge anticipation just for that little bit where you get to actually play. These uh, the bands you've been in. What have what have been the uh, length of time on those on those bands? Uh, well, on Cleanse, I've been in for going about four years now, and I joined that band um, sort of uh, in a rush because they needed somebody to play the Las Vegas Death Fest. That's when that's when you were there. Right. When we were there with Keith and his family. Um, I got to call like five weeks beforehand, like their guitar player had disappeared after they went on tour and, you know, they hadn't, they hadn't rehearsed with him in five months and you know, it was go time and the guitar player called me. He's like, Hey, you think you can learn the set? And I said, I'll do my best. And I was over at his house, like probably three nights a week learning the material. And by the time a show came around, I was ready to go. And we actually played pretty well and it was 
also happened to be on my birthday, which was yeah, which was yeah. something else, you know. Um, so is that the longest one? Four years? Um, or? yeah. So, well, I mean, hypnotic, but I mean, we're not active. We don't play live, so Unclans is the longest running one for now. Um, when you, what's the farthest you've you've traveled from from Houston to to, to perform? Um, I guess that would have to be uh, I guess I have to be Czech Republic. Uh, and you said you when you played, it was, it was Czech, Germany, uh, and Switzerland. We did played. you do that in one in one swing, or was it multiple trips? Uh, well, we went. We did the Nice Eat You Death Fest, uh, which is in uh, sort of the northern part of Czech Republic, kind of more a rural part. Like it's actually on the side of this old castle. Wow. Yeah, like you don't play inside the inside the castle. You play in sort of a. I mean, it's almost like a building. If you remember engine room, it's kind of got the same sort of layout, except you walk in through the right side of the building instead of the front. But, um, so when you're playing, like, is the castle kind of in the background? Or? Uh, the, the, like if, if I was facing the stage this way, the castle is off to the right. Okay. And, uh, I mean, did, did you get to go inside? Uh, no, it was actually <laughs> closed on the weekend and they closed <laughs> oh. it, they closed it down for the metal fest. I don't think they want a bunch I, I, of, I'd love to go inside the castle. Inside the castle. Right? Yeah. Well, we, we went to a couple, like okay. we went, I went to a castle and, uh, Czech Republic, the promoter, he took us to a couple different places. Are they pretty big, like tall wise? Um, yeah, it's like uh, I've only seen them in the movies. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, I went to I went to one in Czech Republic. Then when I went to meet my uh, family that lives in Slovenia, uh, we went to the Ljubljana Castle, which is Ljubljana is the capital, and you, you take this hike up to the top, and it's a you can. I'm a huge fan of architecture. Is, is are the castles like good architecture? Or are they kind of plain or? Um, some the one, the ones in Czech were kind of plain, but there's always like, uh, you know, usually there's something special in their cathedral or, oh, right. um, but for the most part, just like sort of your standard stone castle that you'd imagine from like a, what, what's the longest, area. uh, you've been away on a, on a, on a, on a tour, on a trip to, uh, to perform? Just, just to that Europe one. That was How like long 10, was that? we were there for 10 days, 10 days, which 10 isn't, days. which is a, a little tiny bit of time, but you know, we did the festival on a on a Saturday and then we waited a week and while we were waiting a week I I flew to Slovenia to meet my family, left the guys in Czech Republic to be bored and You've uh but you've spent a significant amount of hours with these guys, right? How many it how many, it's what, four of you, five in the band? Uh well at that time I was with uh Sadistic Butchering, so it was me and John Hall and we toured with the guys in uh Desecrate the Faith or DTF as they call themselves. Okay. Um and we've played a ton of shows and uh, all the bands I've been in, we've always played shows with Desecrated Faith. They're, they're our good buddies, you know. How would how would you describe the the relationship in, in inside of a band? Like, is it just does? I mean, obviously, I, I would just assume you have four musicians. You would probably going to get an array of characters, right? For the most uh, part, is... yeah. But we we sort of have a, a similar goal in mind. So there's. Um, how, how does the song I mean, the song uh, writing process work? Is, is it just uh, uh, does everybody everybody bring something to the table and you just kind of go off of that? Uh, well, usually somebody has the initial idea, like, "Hey, I have this riff. Let's, you know, depending on what part of the song it goes in. If it's an intro riff, we just start and then go from there, trying to build off of that. I mean, usually the most significant writing stuff that we do, at least in our clans, is in the jam room. The jam room, yeah, or a rehearsal space. Or whatever you <laughs> it, you know? Hey, you know uh, the jam room. I like that. Um, so, 
does so you you write from the the music to the then then the lyrics come in or does does is yeah there we, ever, we we do music first is that for for all your songs you never do pretty, lyrics pretty, pretty okay. much I mean because uh, you know I'm not much of a lyricist I did write a couple songs for the one sadistic butchering record uh, just out of necessity you know? right um, but I don't this song needs words yeah, yeah <laughs> pr- pretty much you know? um, but no we leave that. We leave that up to Matt, our, our singer. He's really, really good. Matt, I've, I've met Matt a couple of times. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. We hung out in Vegas a little bit. Right. Um, so Matt, Matt mainly uh, takes care of the, the lyrics of the songs? Yeah, for the most part. There's been a couple outside influences on the lyric writing, but uh, mostly mostly he's uh, handling, handling those duties these days. Let me ask you this. Um, so when you listen to music... Are you more of a music guy or a lyric guy? Oh, music, music guy, big time. Down. But big I mean, time. there's, there's, you know, people who are special lyricists that you really listen to. But I mean, for the most part, I'm a, you know, music's music's got to be there for me to right to, to care, even to give it a care, chance. Right? Care about what's being said, and I, and, I completely agree with you, man. Uh, and I, I still consider myself music guy first, but, um, I, I like like you said, there are certain people. That just you have to listen to those words yeah. because the words are just. I mean, it's, it's poetry. It's just it is. It's poetry with music. That's what it's, that's what you're doing. You're taking poetry, combining it with music. That's what it's, you know. And some some songs are just like wow, like the way you're saying this message with these words are so. I would have never thought to use these words to say that. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I've always wanted. Uh, I mean, I've I've written a couple songs, but like I, when I read it to myself, I'm like, man, this is not. <laughs> like, this is not. What's up, man? Like I cannot, you know. But at the same time, though, if you were to combine it with uh, with some great music, I feel like because some songs, like let's just take like that that song Blur, where it's like woohoo. Like I mean, come <laughs> on. Like I love. I can jam out to the song. There's so many songs yeah. I don't even know what they're saying. Half yeah, the time. I was gonna say, can you name any lyrics besides <laughs> woohoo? <laughs> And it doesn't even matter, right? Yeah. It's like because the music is just so overpowering that it's like who gives a damn about about yeah, the words, I mean, right? Yeah, where the single side of me is like, how can I say something that's already been said a million times? Like, what can I say that has not ever been said? No, I really don't think you can say something that can that hasn't been said. I, I really think, I mean, in terms of what the underlying message is or what what is you know what what you're trying to say. If every, I think everything's been said. Now all you're doing is just trying to present a different way of saying it, right? Like, yeah, rearrange it or it's uh, take a different approach somehow. Yeah, no, it's 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 you know that's why they make the big bucks, right? I mean, you always say to yourself, "Oh, how did, why does this person make all this money?" Was it do uh, do what they're doing? Well, not not in every case. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, it's some, obviously a lot of it's uh, commercialized, nicely financed, and force yeah, fed. Right, I, I I completely agree. But, yeah. But like when you refer to the people that you know write the good stuff, yeah, yeah, you're just like, man, how do they even, how do they even do that, you know? Um, but uh, I think it's kind of that time, man. Uh, I you know I really appreciate you coming on. Oh, thanks for having me, dude. And uh, are you do uh, gonna come on later on for the UFC, or do you not know yet? Uh, yeah, I think I'll I think I'll hang around. All right, cool. Well, Jeff, pleasure. Hey, cheers, man. Y'all have a good one.